Welcome to Break Free from Binge Eating with me, Victoria. I'm so happy that you're here. If we haven't met yet, I just want you to know that I get you because I was you. I was stuck in the diet binge cycle and hating my body for over 20 years. I've overcome anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, and I'm a domestic abuse survivor. Now that I'm free and happy from the inside out, I've dedicated my whole life to help other women feel the same. In this podcast, we're going to cover food and body freedom, self-love and personal development. And if you implement what you learn, you will be well on your way to healing your relationship with food and your body so that you can fall in love with yourself and your life. Ready? Let's go. Okay, so welcome everybody to another episode of Break Free from Binge Eating with me, Victoria. Have a special guest with me today, and her name is Anna. I'm going to ask how to pronounce her surname properly in a moment. Anna is a psychologist, a certified wellness coach. She's the founder of Balance by Anna and a mother of two beautiful boys. Driven by her own health struggles, Anna is now on a mission to help women feel comfortable in their body and stop their endless dieting cycles. She helps achieve a balanced approach to life, wellness, by cleaning, by helping to clean your emotional pantry and not your kitchen's pantry. Anna believes that a balanced life is not just about the food we eat and how we move, how many hours in a week we put into our fitness routines and meal preparation. It's also how we produce processed stress, how we manage relationships and how we balance our hormones for optimal functioning, as well as knowing your own body and the signals it gives you. So without further ado, Anna, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And please, um, can you pronounce your surname? I didn't want to mess it up. <laughs> sure, it's Vucicic. Vucicic? Yeah, you're very close. It's fine. Anna, Anna will do. Where are you from, Anna? I'm uh, currently I'm in Estonia, but I am from Serbia, from Belgrade, Serbia. Wow, beautiful. Okay, so I have 10 quick fire questions for you. Are you sure. ready? Let's see. <laughs> so number one, cardio or weights? Weights. If you had a magic wand, what would you love to change about the world? Uh, the level of, if we're talking about health and wellness and things like that, um, then probably if I could change one thing, it would be um, the level of intrusion that social media has on our lives. Mm, great answer. And number three, favorite quote or mant mantra? Um, let me think. Um, it, I would say, considering my personal experience, uh, it really doesn't matter how many times you fall if you manage to get up mm. over and over again. Because I do believe it's all about trial and error at the end of the day, this whole health thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so finish this sentence. When I feel triggered, I. Ooh, when I feel triggered, I. Uh, well, I used to eat. Now mm -hmm. I don't. So now I would say I, I have a little bit of a talk with myself quite often. 
to see what's happening. I can, I, right now I'm quite intuitive and I know what could be the problem. Mm-hmm. So I'm more, even if I cannot fix it, I just want to acknowledge it, that it's actually happening. Yeah. That I am really nervous or triggered by something, someone, whatever. But uh, it, it's not a matter of fixing it necessarily in the moment. It's more acknowledging it's there and I should not just push the way, but more, you know, work on it. Yeah, I love that. The biggest life lesson you've received so far? Uh, this too shall pass. <laughs> um, yeah, that one. Um, um, and that it's not my job to make everyone happy. Like, that's a big one, at least for me, uh, because I do come from a family where I, I felt that I had to make my parents so happy and so proud. And that's where the perfectionism and all the body image issues started for me anyway. So along the way with studying and, you know, a lot of research and inner work, I think that's, that was key. Like I need to be happy, uh, but it's really not my responsibility how other people see me and how happy or unhappy they are, you know, with, mm-hmm. with how they perceive me. Yeah, that is huge. Yeah, Thank you for sharing it's, a big, that one. it's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Number six, finish this sentence. My higher self or my best self, whatever resonates with you the most, often reminds me to. Uh, I would say to be present in the moment. I really struggle with that. And when I think of like my best version or my highest self, then that person is a little bit more present in the moment mm. with everything, with the family, with kids, with, with whatever. My mind is racing quite often. So I'm working on it, but it, it's a work in progress for sure. Absolutely. I think we're all, it's like when I first started this journey, I kind of thought if you got somewhere and you tick the box and then you were, you were there, but it's, it's a state of being every day to choose. Yeah, it, it, yeah. you wake up and you make a choice about everything. And this is something that if I imagine myself in my best state, then I would be more calm and more present and more, you know, mm. paying attention to everything like in the moment, not thinking ahead. Yes. Okay, number seven, when do you feel most loved? Um... I mean, I have kids and they give you this unconditional love, obviously, my husband, my family. I think because I've been an expat for so many years, over 30 years, I've been an expat. Uh, if I exclude my immediate family, I live with them and I really get a lot of love from, from them. But it's when I go back home, um, just because my family's there, my childhood friends, my cousins. So that's when... There is no place for any arguments. It's just love. It's nice. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. Sweet or savory? Savory. Okay, finish this sentence. Oh, this is a big one. This probably isn't a quick question. The meaning of life is. <laughs> the meaning of okay. Um hmm. uh for me, I was, uh, you said it's not a very short answer. So I was always chasing something, uh, maybe related to school or to work or a certain body type or certain, you know, uh, number on the scale. And that's when 
the title Balanced by Anna actually came from that idea that that's a meaningful life for me. So it doesn't mean that every day everything will be in balance. I don't believe in it uh, because some days we just do something, you know, more work-related, more family-related. So I don't mean balance in a everyday life, but as a whole, being able to, to enjoy every aspect of my life. Mm. Friends, family, work, kids, my downtime, my long time. Um, yeah, not stretch too much in any extreme, if that makes sense. So yeah. from, because that, 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 that led me to burnouts and really feeling unhappy with myself and I had no idea what am, why am I doing it for? You know what I mean? Like chasing something that seems so superficial seems actually so superficial now. Yeah. Uh, but I, but the, the idea about the balance um, is not so much, you know, uh, that every day you have everything under control, but it's more like as a whole, like at the end of the year, at the end of the month, whatever, I feel that I have done for all aspects of my life the best that I could. Mm. And I gave attention to all the best that I could. That makes so much sense. And I, I love how you clarified that even the word balance, it's almost, I'm not going to say the word impossible, even though I kind of want to say that because I believe anything is yeah. possible. Mm -hmm. It's extremely difficult to be yeah. balanced in every life area, every single day for the rest of your life and to give ourselves grace when that doesn't happen. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I'm building a business, you have your own business and some days you just work long hours and you don't give the attention to your family, maybe, or your friends that they deserve. Mm -hmm. but that's where being aware that this is happening comes to play. And then I just take a step, step back, I take a weekend off, spend time with them. And that for me is the balanced life because I, as you said, like, I don't want to believe it. It's impossible, but I think it's really hard in 24 hours to in the right way, mm -hmm. not just like, you know, physically spend time with someone, but this thing about being present and, you know, engaging, um, I don't think it's always easy and doable. So for me, it's more like a holistic perspective. I love that. And last question, who is your ideal client, Anna? Um, my ideal client uh, is someone who has been on a roller coaster of trials and errors and dieting, restricting, binging for way too long. Mm. Um, most of my clients have uh, have a history of not necessarily eating disorders or at least not diagnosed, but definitely of, um, uh, let's say, going on different diets with the hope of getting that magic solution, that, you know, that, that will fix everything. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it will work for a while, then it will not work. Uh, and then the cycle of restrict binge would happen all over again um, and usually with that comes along some rather uh, important either um, past relationships traumas uh, lessons learned acquired from early childhood that have never been spoken about mm. so it's it's a bit of both but I would say of course, people come to you, uh, you know, if they just want to lose some weight here and there. But the ideal client is this person who is tired of starting over and over, you know, again and again and never being truly happy. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. I mean, I, I, um, 
I do believe that uh, if you are in a space of dieting, then you have to be aware it's constantly going to be yo-yo dieting. Yeah. Like that's because dieting in, in the sense of restricting will always mean losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight. Like there is no way out. Uh, that's why this word dieting, like I always use it. I always say restricting to be very clear what I mean by dieting. Um, and that's why I am, I am a, not, I'm not against, but I don't, um, I don't enjoy reading some of these new diets out there that are clearly restricting. Yeah. Because they, they work as a hook uh, that you will definitely lose weight if you're mm. under eating severely and cutting everything and anything, but then life will happen and you will, um, you will start eating again. And maybe you will not even overeat, which is a key but you will definitely gain some weight back. And that's when, you know, the negative self-talk kicks in and the feeling of guilt and shame. And that's the road to very, very poor and bad relationship with food and with yourself because mm. you're putting it on you that you failed the diet. No, actually, that my opinion is that the diets keep failing us because um, they, they work so well for like three weeks, you know, four weeks, whatever. And then you gain weight and then you come back to them because you really know that they are going to work again. Because it, it's a bulletproof method. Of course, it will work if you're eating 1,200 calories a day. Yeah. It, it, it will work and you come back to it like a drug, you know, like, it's okay if now I'm overeating because I know how I will be able to lose it. Mm. Do you know what it's I mean? Like that. That's the classic dieting mentality and also classic uh, you know, definition of a poor relationship with food because it means that in your everyday life, um, you're either in the all or nothing mentality, you know, like you're either full on dieting, working out, uh, avoiding people, socializing to minimal because again, you're stressed about what you're going to eat. Mm -hmm. Or on the other hand, you're just letting it go and you binge for two weeks. And then you start again. Yes. <laughs> yeah, in my opinion, and I'm glad what you said at the beginning, and this isn't to, you know, to back mouth anyone that's doing this with good intentions, but at the moment, there's a lot of healthy things out there that are basically mm -hmm. selling diets in disguise, but using a different word. But in my opinion, a diet is any form of restriction that you are emotionally attached to. So, I mean, we're going to dive into psychological reasons of mindset in a moment, but Isabel Fox and Duke has an amazing quote that I use all the time. And she says, dieting is not an action. It's a state of mind. Yes. Because listen, uh, we are all wired in a different way. We all process food in different ways. We all like foods. Mm -hmm that are different culturally, you know, colored and so on and so forth. Uh, some people work well with more carbs, some with less carbs, and it's fine. For me, this is totally okay. More protein, less protein, more fats, animal-based, you know, omnivore-based, whatever. That's not the point. Like that's how you eat. If you're eating enough food, mm -hmm. that's a choice. Yeah. What's not a choice when you say, I cannot have this even if you're plant-based or even if you're carnivore or paleo or whatever you are, it doesn't matter. 
the moment that you're saying, no, 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 I should not have this, or, you know, it's going to ruin my diet, or I cannot control myself around my favorite foods. That means that like, let's say if you are plant-based, I'm just taking this as an example, and you say, oh, I cannot have dates because, you know, if I have dates, then I take peanut butter and then it's like, I just eat and eat and eat. There's a problem there. That means that like you're avoiding your favorite foods, which are dates with peanut butter, mm. right? Like it's not, the dates are not an issue. The peanut butter is not an issue. Your relationship with it is an issue. So for me, that would be restrictive. Yeah. And you need to fix that aspect of your diet. And the same goes with any other diet. The moment that you feel like eating something and you are saying no because of my diet or because of the, you know, uh, the number on the scale or usually because people say I cannot control myself. The moment I start eating it, I will binge. True, there are very higher, high palatable foods and mm -hmm. they're not meant to take one or two pieces but this is mostly junk food, right? It's not really whole foods that we're talking about here. So again, like I, it's, not in, it's, not a, it's not an issue what kind of diet you have or let's say eating lifestyle that you have. It's more a state of, I cannot have it or I should restrict on it or I should avoid it or, you know, this yeah. is where the diet mentality kicks in. And of course, like you can have a talk with yourself like, do I need a second piece of cake? It's fine to have that talk, like, because maybe something else is going on and you're just like numbing it. Mm. Um, but this doesn't happen every day, right? So these conversations, you have them once in a while. But if on a daily basis, you're constantly calculating something and avoiding something, then, then, then you're in a dieting you know, world, definitely. How would you help your clients to navigate? So I'll use my old self as an, as an example. Mm. So I used to le le legit think I was addicted to chocolate and chocolate mm. was my thing. Yeah. How would you help me going back two, three years if I came to you and I was like, I'm addicted to chocolate. I don't trust myself. Like what would the steps be that you would help me to trust myself around that food again? Yeah, there are a couple of steps here because um, it is important if you're triggered by chocolate, which is usually what happens, mm -hmm. because chocolate has some really great nutritious benefits. It's not a, you know, like just like some processed junk food out there. So like having chocolate is not bad in itself, right? Um, but the steps are definitely to understand what kind of emotions chocolate brings in you, because if it's all negative emotions, like I'm going to get fat it's going to make me this and that uh, then if the negative emotion is related to a food mm -hmm. this sounds counterintuitive but we tend to eat it more yeah you know it's like when you hate your body because you ate food like let's say chocolate that will not make you change habits that mm -hmm. will only make you stay in the bad habit uh, that's why it's it, it is important that you kind of say okay I first need to stop hating my body and then heal it. It's not like when I heal it, I will start loving it. Yeah. So again, it's addressing the chocolate issue is like, okay, when do you have chocolate under what circumstances, what amounts, what emotions? And what are your thoughts that you're telling yourself while you're eating the chocolate? That yeah. like that having, having thoughts is super important because here is how it goes. Let's say that the situation is chocolate is on the table. Thought, I will eat this chocolate, okay? Action, I'm eating the chocolate. Consequence, 
I am feeling disappointed that I feel my diet. I'm a failure. Da, 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 da. Automatically, this chocolate is, is linked to this negative emotion. Mm -hmm. So whenever you have any negative emotions or whenever you're feeling how you're feeling after eating chocolate, the chocolate will be your go-to mm. food. I'm sad chocolate. I'm depressed chocolate. I'm disappointed chocolate because it's like, okay, it's a food full of, full of, uh, you know, good nutritious things, but not if you eat 200 grams. Um, so it's very important to rewire the thoughts and the emotions around any food. Food is not controlling you. Mm. Okay. Like there is no, uh, you have the choice of what you want to eat, how much you want to eat, but it's because we have these uh, thoughts, these patterns yeah. while we are eating. For example, let's say you have a bite of chocolate and if you are in the all or nothing mentality, I just had a bite, I will just eat the whole bar. Mm. Well, definitely after eating the whole bar, you will feel physically unwell. Like it just as a natural reaction, like don't blame it on the chocolate. It's the amount that made you feel unwell, like blood sugar rushing, you're a bit bloated, you know, like your heart, heart is, you know, your heart palpitations are a bit stronger. It's because you just ate, you know, like so much sugar, right? But, but that's if you have that kind of mentality or if you have a mentality like, you know, I should not be eating this. And then you ate it. It's like, I'm such a failure. Mm. You know, so uh, with these types of foods that we consider like our addiction foods or comfort foods or whatever, it's always a slippery slope because um, again, it starts from the mentality. If your mentality is to be super rigid, then these automatically, these foods don't belong in your diet. Mm. And they, then you create this negative emotions around them. So whenever something bad is happening, it's, it's that food you are looking for, you know, yeah. that's linked to that emotion. So would it be full allowance, checking in with your body to see if you actually want it or whether it's just an automated response? What feelings are you normally yeah. So for me, I, I really, my clients always keep a diary. Like, I mean, they eat and then if they want to eat something and it becomes automatically after some time, but in the beginning, you have to check in with yourself a little bit um, yeah. because these foods we really eat almost unconsciously. We're just nibbling, eating, 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 and we're not really thinking about it. But if you are triggered, I, you need to write down the trigger. What was the trigger? Like, but because it doesn't have to be necessarily food and it usually isn't. It's not chocolate on the table that is triggering. It's something in your mind is it some work problem you know, relationship problem is it something regarding covid is it the news is it whatever i don't know but it's it's something that you are not willing to handle right now and this can and all this not being able to handle things or handling them through food um this this really has so many potential let's say um causes right because for example, you have people who will say, oh, I don't have any other pleasure in life. I'm only looking forward to chocolate when I come home. Mm. Okay, because this eating the sugars and the fats that are together, for example, in the chocolate, they release opioids in your brain, you're feeling great. Mm. You know, or it can be that, oh, after a successful day at work, just like when I was a kid, I was getting chocolate for good grades. It's an association that for, you know, doing a good job at work or something, you treat yourself. 
Yes. Even though you may not be, you're definitely not hungry for it, but it's an emotional attachment to it. Um, you have people, for example, who eat because what I was telling you, for example, about my family, um, if you have a little bit of more like strict parents or parents who are criticizing the way you look and you were forbidding yourself these foods in order to be perfect. Now it's like, oh, they're not here now. So, you know, I will eat whatever I want and I, 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 I don't have to kind of tell them. They don't have to see it, you know? Yeah. Um, so childhood uh, family, like early on plays a big role, but also for example, relationships with your partner, um, avoiding intimacy. Uh, marital stress and weight gain is so prevalent mm. so again this is something that you're not addressing that you're not happy in your marriage so your solution quote unquote is to eat yeah weight, gain you know gain weight and then maybe you know this intimacy part will go away it's all linked isn't it it's, it's all, all it's all absolutely linked but i think that we are not also um I mean, I don't know where you come from, definitely where I come from, we're not really taught to deal with difficult feelings. Mm -mm. No like, way. You know, like, don't cry, I will buy you a candy or, you know what I mean? Like, yes. and, and everywhere you go, food is uh, connected to any activity. If it's the movie, it's the popcorn and the Coke. If it's, you know, if it's going out, it has to be food. So it's always, there is always a connection through food and you're eating it even though you might not be hungry at all. Mm. And technically you're supposed to eat when you're hungry, not just when you are bored or stressed or feeling anxious or something. So, um, so definitely you, you can have many reasons why, but the behavior is very much the same. There is a problem, I'm not dealing with the problem, I'm using food and then I'm attaching bad things to this food. Mm, that makes so much sense. How would you help a client navigate around that? Is it oh, mm -hmm. a case of awareness and then choice? Uh, you know, with the with every client that I had, um, I I'm a type of a coach that I don't want them to restrict. I want them to have um, the freedom, let's say, to eat what they want. Of course, listen, if someone is uh, metabolically unhealthy, it's a little bit of a different story when you really need to avoid certain foods because um, your markers are off the charts. But in general, if we're talking about losing some weight and constant yo-yo dieting, you know, 10 pounds, 15 pounds up and down, up and down, that, that, that is always a symptom of restricting and binging, right? So let's see on what, which foods or what foods do you have on your list that are, you know, bingeable <laughs> that you like to binge on, right? I incorporate these foods in their diets. Mm. So we, yes, do, we work on the triggers and we work on dealing with your feelings and we work on what is coming underneath, which is why the psychology part is super important. Uh, and I would say that, you know, if someone is having 12 sessions with me, 10 sessions have nothing to do with food. Yeah. You know, because we need to unravel what have you learned, what have you acquired, what triggers you, and now let's try to create new healthy habits. Mm -hmm. So that's one part. On the other part, it's not that because we're creating new healthy habits, you will never have chocolate. I want you to have chocolate or ice cream or whatever it is. So we incorporate it in their diet and magically they don't really want it. Yeah, because you've allowed them to have it. One, yeah, exactly. I mean, one is because it's allowed. It's not a forbidden thing. Second is because they have a very good notion that I'm not really hungry for it, like physically hungry. 
if I'm emotionally hungry nine out of 10 times, they'll be like, is this gonna solve my problems? Probably not. So they might go for it or not, but the awareness is there. You know, like the awareness is there, like, okay, I had it, I'm a bit more calmed down now, let me figure out how I can deal with this. But the big one is there is no restriction. Mm -hmm. You can have every day, you know, um, I don't know, 20, 30 grams of chocolate, whatever, to satisfy your lack of sleep, hormonal, your hormonal, because it's that time of the month, you are a bit maybe stressed with work. And yes, it will serve the purpose on a daily basis. It will not do you any harm. But if you wait for the weekend and then you eat not only 100 grams of chocolate, but because you raise your blood sugar, then, then it's done. Then for that day, you can forget about eating anything healthy because then the biology will kick in. Yeah. Like you will eat your blood sugar and insulin will spike so high that in order to keep it high, you will just need to eat a lot of high processed foods to get that energy going. And that's usually why people binge, you know, they have a binge day or a cheat day. You can, and, and instead of like figuring it out how in the middle of the week to use these foods here and there, they wait, mm. you know, and then it's all in. Yeah, um, I used to do the same when I was stuck in the cycle. I used to like hoard, I used to like buy some every day, hoard it in my bedroom, like in this little pile would accumulate. And yeah. the second it was Saturday morning, I would eat chocolate all day Saturday, all day Sunday, like two kilograms in a weekend and then starve yeah. myself all week again. And yeah, yeah. It's, I it's... felt like shit. My body was physically like tired, drained, bloated. Mm. And it's exhausting. Absolutely. It is, it is. I mean, you you have to be like, it's... There is no, there is no rule of, you know, how many times a week you give yourself the permission to eat whatever you want. Mm. Like there is no rule. I mean, like if you feel like eating it, just eat it. We assume that physical hunger and hunger cues are going to tell you that like, okay, you should eat a salad, whatever, you know, protein instead of a candy bar. If you feel like eating candy bars every single day, you know, like then this is where you need to kind of well, that's where we do the assessment. Like, what's going on? Because you might be actually under-eating. Mm -hmm. That was you know, what I used to do. You know, like, you, it's something as simple, but you might be under-eating. You might be sleeping less than, you know, five, six hours. I don't know. Your mm -hmm. hormones might be off. You might be super stressed. So th there are some things that are not just related to that particular food. So it's a really complex thing to analyze and understand why people are using foods the way they are um, yeah. for numbing feelings for distraction for whatever else yeah what is your how do you define self-sabotage how do i define it yeah uh, i was asked one time if you're having a cookie at the end of the day is it self-love or self-sabotage something like that um for me this is when i am not present Okay, like for me, self-sabotage is, so I'm harming myself, sure, but I'm harming myself and pretending like I'm not there. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the binging, that's the binging. That's like when I, if I would look myself, let's say from, you know, bird perspective, I'd be like, what is this person doing? Why is she eating three sandwiches and two chocolates and then snacking on pretzels and then eating ice cream? And that's self-sabotage for me. There is no self-love there. Absolutely none. 
for me that's when i you're that's when you feel and you're acting like you're really like you're possessed by an alien yeah <laughs> out of out of body experience out of you know control because again like you can have all these foods in the amounts that are you know normal right um but this when i when i think about binging and this like i'm going to the shop with a specific idea in mind i'm gonna binge now that's self-sabotage it's not mm. like oh i'm gonna buy you chocolate and then i will eat 100 grams in a week you know that's that's fine that's self-love you take care of your mental health your soul right but when you are planning to binge then and and you and the way you're binging is not there is no pleasure actually mm. actually there is no pleasure you're not savoring you're just opening and eating and opening and eating and, op- and you're stuffing yourself to stuff whatever you need to stuff whatever emotion is uh, is up there um so that is that is completely not even serving the purpose yeah of binging you know like you're not even enjoying it do you think self-sabotage is linked to like past childhood trauma like big trauma mm-hmm. small traumas i mean trauma is trauma to the individual regardless yeah. uh for sure i mean um if you grew up in a, and it can happen, I mean, of course, listen, if you grew up with the parents who were super strict or who had their own eating disorders mm-hmm. or disordered ways of eating, um, or where you were, let's say, put on a pedestal to be the perfect child with the perfect grades, with the perfect whatever. Uh, and that very often happens with, with girls, especially for some reason. I hear this story over and over again. like. The boys can be bad in school, but the girls have to be good and, you know, responsible and all these kind of things. Um, it ca- there comes a time usually when you feel like you cannot control everything, right? Mm-hmm. So you cannot control your environment, your work, and everything that you could as a child, like because little was expected from you, let's mm-hmm. say. But then you grow up and then there are, you know, there is a, you're not in a bubble anymore in your family and you have your own family, your own kids, your job, your friends, your relationships. And it, it becomes a little bit of a, of a, let's say, an environment where, where you just need to manage something. Um, very often I will hear that the way to control food or binge on food uh, is, is the need for control. Mm. You know, because I cannot control my boss, but I can control my body, what goes in and what goes out mm. and how much I like the body is like your own weapon, you know? Yeah. Um, and I and 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 for sure in my family, if you were thin, you were recognized for being thin. Mm-hmm. Because that was to make it even more absurd, being thin, which is something which I really hate now that is happening in social media, thin is now identified with healthy. Mm. So they say, I want to be healthy. I'm like, don't say I want to be healthy when you're actually thinking I want to be thin. Like, let's move that out of the equation. Oh, I want to be healthy. No, like, we know what is the healthy range and we know what is thin or super slim or something like that. So I am against it. But like in my family, you were praised like, oh, you're taking care of yourself. You're eating the right foods. But, that was, but also then the message was like, if you're eating something which is bad, what kind of person are you? So I was, for me, that's when I started. I was like super controlling my food because I didn't want to disappoint anyone. Mm-hmm. And that was the, something that I learned 
that I had to afterwards, you know, ditch. But that's something that I learned that that's the way how you control things, which is not really true. But you have this feeling if you can control your body, your weight, then everything is under control. Absolutely get that. I was anorexic as a teenager and that was definitely a control thing because it, mm-hmm. it moved over to other areas of my life like OCD tendencies with cleanliness yes. and tidying and or, you know, your body's changing, you're growing boobs, you're getting a period, like your parents, well, my parents were breaking up and I was like, okay, the only thing I can physically control is just not to eat. And then you get praised for not eating because you get slimmer until you go to the extreme, of course. And everyone's, how are you doing it? You look amazing. And then your child brain is like, oh, that means I'm loved. And then away you go. Yeah, it's it's a cycle that unfortunately exists still today uh, with women who are way in there, you know, 40s, 50s, whatever, because it's a learned thing. You don't have to be anorexic, to be very clear. No. But that feeling of um, the less I weigh or the more weight I lose, I will be praised more. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm a little bit like I'm really, I'm aware that we are all doing it and we're all wondering. But I have learned so much now that not to comment or not to ask. Um, just because I, I, I got this comments, you know, like I was always a slim kid and then I gained quite a bit of weight, uh, in my teenage years. And then I was kind of, I tried dieting, but at that time there was no internet. So I was just doing it on my own. Um, and then in my, during university years, I always felt comparing to others a little bit more like chubbier or fuller, but but, and it was bothering me, obviously, because I really think I, I really thought I didn't fit in. But my issue was that that was sort of manageable because that was my weight. I was sort of eating okay. I was dieting all the time, not dieting, but my weight wasn't going up and down too much. But when I had my kids and I had a huge hormonal imbalance, I lost like 17, 18 kilos, which was like huge. I, was, I looked close to anorexic. Mm-hmm. I really had a problem that so many people told me that I look great. Yeah. But then, you know, and I kept telling them, but this is not like a real, I mean, this will, I will bounce back. I almost felt like, and I remember I was talking to my therapist at the time. I was like, I don't know why I'm defending myself. Am I defending myself that I will gain weight, that they should be prepared for me to gain weight so that I will not again disappoint. And I was like, okay, it's enough. You know, that was like almost 10 years ago. I was like, that's enough. You know, like I, I don't owe anything to anyone. Mm. No, but, th- but there was, I was thinking like, I am hormonally sick and you don't know that, but the way you see me, mm. you're sending me this message, which I know that the moment I get well, I will not be able to sustain this because this is not the normal state of my body. You know? like yeah. I, I will never be able to lose 4,000 calories a day. Mm. So... So I was, uh, so that was like a really, it was, I mean, maybe these moments are important to kind of tell you like, okay, this is all nonsense, you know, Um, and to focus on myself. And now I've been at the same weight for the past, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. Um, But I don't, I don't think that I would have understood if I hadn't gone such a, to such a low weight, Mm. it was a good experience to understand, okay, like we, we shouldn't talk about it so much or ask why you gained or why you lost or whatever. But yeah. we do, we do it all the time and you hear it all the time. 
Yeah, we do. Even It's like, you know, people give people compliments all the time and it's mostly around body image. But then even though it's a compliment, it's given as a compliment, let's put it that way. Whatever can make you can also break you. So if you're like, oh, you know, they're saying I'm looking good or slim or whatever. There's always an opposite, an equal and opposite to that. So then Absolutely. we panic about well what if I put weight on or what and then if they don't compliment me next time does that mean that I don't look good and mm. we go crazy in our minds for me also the trick with that uh, complimenting is that uh, okay if you're in a steady weight more or less it's fine but I had a conversation maybe like two three weeks ago a friend came and she saw me eating cake and then she said I didn't know that uh, wellness coaches can eat cake it was something in, but but it was it wasn't actually mean at all, mm -hmm. uh, but but again, it was the perception of how can you allow yourself to eat maybe like you know a piece of cake or whatever I was eating, and you know not have such a huge difference the next day or the week after with uh, with your body. And then that's where I understood like it's one thing how we complement, but also how we understand what it takes to get there. Mm -hmm. Like it's full on restriction. Yeah. I am aware that I shouldn't gain or lose a lot. It's not healthy. I should stay in my range, right? A bit up, a bit down for health purposes, 100%. But how I live with my range is very, you know, normal. Normal for me, absolutely. But I think that the way we are taught from parents, you know, who did it their own way, which is with their own diets, you know, and then uh, through social media, through whatever magazines that were in the 80s and 90s, um, we learned one way of maintaining and losing weight. And that is severe restriction, close mm. to any eating disorder you can have. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. But. Do you think, so is it safe and doable for someone who's just like, for example, just come to you and they want food freedom to heal their relationship with food in their body? Is it safe for them to start striving towards health goals initially or is that something you introduce further along the line with like gentle nutrition i'm curious um i always i used to focus quite a bit on what they're eating um now i'm i'm always focused in the beginning about their relationship with food and the history mm. of eating like because whatever i give them if they are if the habits are not changed yeah. then it's then it's going to be just another diet yeah that yeah. so the the mindset needs to change first uh around food what is food what food gives you what it doesn't give you all the let's say uh environment factors like i don't have a supportive husband my co-workers keep telling me to eat this food you know they are just jealous like you know you have the whole spectrum of people around you right but working on the mindset is key in that sense, because when you are free from this idea, I have to please people, I have to be a certain size, or I have to avoid these foods or not avoid these foods. And you understand the biology of your body that like you will not gain weight and nothing drastic will actually happen and no one will notice. You're the only one who's noticing most of the things anyway mm -hmm. in your mirror. Yeah. Uh, then they get relaxed with food. And then I do like for them to change some habits but we don't start with all of them at the same time right so we do focus on whole foods i don't force them to eat foods that they don't like to eat so they're eating whatever they want we're just 
assessing how much of what they should eat, like, you know, because there are some amounts of proteins and fats and carbs that are good for you or for me. Uh, and then we're looking at some habits that they by themselves know that they're bad. Is it too much drinking? Is it too much sugar? Is it too much processed foods? And slowly but surely we're removing them and changing them with some healthier options. But here is the thing, all these, let's say, quote unquote, bad habits are usually emotional eating, mm. stress eating, boredom eating. It's not that they are really craving it. Yeah, no, because your body, your body naturally wants to be, if you press a reset button on our body, um, your body wants to feel good. It does mm. naturally. Yes. So yes. at least it's working with us. We just need to tune in. So that brings me to my next question. How would you... Um, someone that who's new to intuitive eating, mm -hmm. how would they practice tuning into their body if they don't even know what hunger feels like anymore? Oh, that's a difficult one. That's trial and error. Mm. That definitely that, that's a really, really hard one. I um I usually in that sense give them options. I want you to try all these foods and tell me how do you feel about these foods. Mm -hmm. And not only do okay, do you like the taste, do you like the texture? How is your digestion? How was your blood sugar afterwards? Because I don't want it to spike also and create a chaos. Mm -hmm. How did you sleep that night? How are your hormones? Did you lose your period? Did you get your period back? We take, you know, the carbs, the fats, the protein, again, with what they are eating. We're making small meal options. Like I tell them, okay, here are three breakfast options for you. Try them. What kind of eggs do you like? Do you like fried? Do you like scrambles? Do you like omelet? Mm. But here, this is the most important thing. When they are eating, they need to always fill in a small sheet. This sheet is super important. How did I feel physically and emotionally eating this food? Mm -hmm. Intuition doesn't come that easy if you, if you don't know how to eat and you have been you know, snacking all the time on some random foods, you know, like protein bars or shakes or something, which is, you know, just like convenience food. Mm -hmm. So I give them usually some options, like I make some kind of small meals for them, breakfast, lunch, and there are snacks, like tell me, which one do you like? And then it will happen like after a month of trial and error, they will say, for example, let's say nightshades don't work well with me, for example. Okay, yeah. sure. Sweet potato does with fish or whatever. So then they kind of assess, like I would give this, you know, 10 points, five points, three points or whatever. This is how we start. Mm -hmm. For a good two months, they're eating like that. They're eating based on literally like a, like a kid. You know, like when a kid starts to eat, it's like, I don't like this. Okay, let's try now this. Oh, I like it. And then as a parent, you just keep buying the same thing all over again. Then you reintroduce this one that he didn't like because your taste buds are going to change. Yeah. Okay, now let's see after two months, do you still hate asparagus? Because yeah. I have clients who don't eat vegetables at all. So of course, I'm going to start with, let's say, more lovable ones. Yeah. You know, like that everyone sort of likes. Okay, let's make potatoes and, you know, tomatoes or whatever, um, carrots. Um, rather I was going to say carrots. carrots. I mean, rather than bok choy or whatever, like <laughs> rather yeah. than asparagus or some lettuce. But your taste buds need to change. But in order for them to change, you really have to start enjoying this food. And the same is with, the, with drinking. Okay, you don't like water. How about you put some lemon and raspberries inside? Out, yeah. you know try it sparkling water you know like with the mint like whatever but it, it it is a really long process because the foods that they are used to eating 
are highly palatable foods, mm -hmm. full of artificial sugars, full of artificial bad oils, trans fat, and so on. And they taste amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like if you eat them, they taste great, but, they, but that's not what your body needs. So I, I make this kind of meals and then they need to assess and then they need to grade them. And I love how you, yeah, how, and I then, love how you, sorry. No, no. And then for example, I tell them, okay, now it's your turn. Make your day of eating. Like based on, like you have so many things. And also they make pictures. That's super important. Make a picture of the meal that you enjoyed. Mm. Make a picture, make a picture. It's like a, it's like a visual thing. You remember, oh yeah, I did like, you know, cauliflower or mash, whatever. So you, you can reproduce it. And then you become experimental. Once you have like a good base of protein, fats, and carbs that you enjoy eating, fruits, whatever, then we can experiment a bit more or try to bring some of this food that you said you didn't like in the beginning back in to see what's happening. But it, it takes time. But it also, the, with the taste buds, for example, people who were on a carnivore or paleo diet or whatever, who were eating meat, Mm -hmm. um, it does take time. For example, let's say if you go plant-based, uh, it does take time. It does take time for your taste bud to change, and you will hear because they eat, for example, a lot of fruits that that's enough sugar for them. That like mm -hmm. chocolate now is really not appealing. So yeah. it takes a little bit of uh, trial and error there to create an intuition. And sometimes I catch myself like, oh my god, I'm eating the same thing all over again. But that's because sometimes I really know on the go. I know what I like. Yeah. And then there will be days where I have no idea what I want to eat. I really need to have a conversation with myself. Like, and it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I cook for my kids because I know what they like. Yeah. Then it's just a reminder. Okay. What do you like to eat? You know, like, do you like salmon? Do you like, and then it comes back. But, but I think it's, um, it's a process. It doesn't come naturally for so many people because uh, we overeat mm. a lot on these other foods. Uh, and we forget what it feels like to really be physically hungry in order yeah. to be, oh, okay, I really should eat something healthy now. I love how you take such an individualized approach to each client, yes. which is so important because, you know, cookie cutter plans or even saying things like, right, you're eating no veg. I want you to eat so many grams of green veg and they're just gonna be like, absolutely, it's too much of a contrast straight away, isn't yeah. it? So I love that. Yeah, but exactly. I mean, you cannot, like if someone like has, a, has an issue with eating, let's say vegetables, mm -hmm. you don't give them 10 cups of vegetables for the first week. Like they, their stomach will explode from fiber. Yeah. And the worst thing you want is for them to say, oh, this is not for me. Yes. It's like yeah. a person who has never worked out and you say, okay, we're going to run 10 miles. Like he's going to say exercise is not for me. You <laughs> know, like, like, bye, Anna. <laughs> bye. You know, psycho. But, but, but I mean, so that's why it's baby steps. You have people who don't yeah. drink water. You're not going to tell them have two liters of water. They'll be like, forget it. I'm going back to Coke. Yeah. So it's baby steps, but it's also like, it's very, very important that they are into it. Yeah, that's why diets actually don't work to come back to our first topic, because most of the foods on these diets you don't like mm. or the amounts are so small that they're not satisfying you enough. But, you know, boiled egg with the toast and like that's it for breakfast. You just start loathing it, although there's nothing wrong with the toast and the egg, but just not in that shape. Right. So it's really the idea that, OK, we start with 
you know, three or two meals a day, whatever you're doing. And then you have to be like, oh, I really like this. There is a big chance you will make it again. Yeah. But if I'm forcing you to eat, you know, cauliflower rice instead of real rice, there is a very, he will be like, this is not rice. I'm not eating this. You know, like it's too extreme almost. Yeah. So you just start slow and then you build up on whatever you're building up. I love that. We've got 10 minutes left and I would love for you to chat about body image. So I'm guessing mm -hmm. that that's what you include in your, yeah. in your coaching. Like, can you give us like the most, probably the three most prominent things that help when someone is coming to you and they're like, I literally can't look in the mirror because it's, I just feel disgusted in myself. How do you navigate that? So they come to a, Oh, you know what? I'm all right. Kind of yeah. thing. That's also a long process because body image has nothing to do with the body. Mm -hmm. It has to do yeah. with the state of mind. I think, I think by now we all kind of understood this. Yeah. Um, there are also different ways how we perceive the body. Um, uh, some clients uh, are just nit and picking everything. Like, you know, like they're fat or if they gain something and they're just focused on that specific area, you know, like belly or whatever it is, underarms or something like that. Some of them, it's more like I'm disgusted with myself as a whole, mm. right? Um, so the first step, again, is to see where this is coming from. Mm -hmm. uh, hating your body is one of the biggest factors in emotional eating. Mm. Yeah. And, and hating your body will very rarely inspire you to make long-lasting changes. Um, yeah. And because many people will say, when I reach my goal weight, I will stop, you know, hating my body. Yeah. <laughs> but you need to stop doing it and then you will reach the and stop doing this. Uh, the process is also um, is in that way that first we need to understand where the hatred comes from, because if the hatred comes like I'm eating so much food then we're coming to the food, right? The hatred can come from comments received so that maybe they don't even have an issue with their body, but now other people convince them that they have an issue with their own body yeah partner family colleagues whoever so we are assessing how truthful are these statements that's my favorite question mm. when someone says you know i am fat i am this and that and how truthful are these statements because yeah. that question opens up quite a bit of things right mm -hmm. I love Wait, that. who said that this is true and why are you putting so much emphasis and so much let's say um importance to this person or whatever so that so it can be a food issue i'm emotionally actually eating and that's why i gained all this weight let's tackle the food and the emotions it can be coming from some someone else in the environment let's say or usually it's close people which is even worse but because these people are usually the ones who give you this kind of comments anyway um but where is the truth in that statement is actually very very important it's what i call identifying the accuracy of your thoughts Mm. I like that phase because your thoughts aren't facts so we need to no. look into them no it's like when you say I'm fat no 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 it's a very different thing you cannot there is no adjective of being fat no it's a it's a state of mind yeah it's your state of mind telling you that you're fat so what how I would do it is that I would say okay so for example let's say uh, I look myself in the mirror I don't like what I see uh, and also, Melissa told me that I looked fat yesterday in that dress. Okay, identify the accuracy of your thoughts. 
create now a rational response because they will always tell you, but this is actually not accurate. Maybe she thought this because, you know, because of this, because of that. Mm -hmm. You create then a rational response and then you re-rate your feelings all over again. So that takes time. I mean, I'm just telling you the steps now, but it's not about so much me, uh, you know, convincing her, no, you're not fat. Obviously, it's about changing the feelings and the thoughts. So you have the trigger, you record your thoughts and feelings. So the trigger is, you know, I don't like what I look in the mirror, my thoughts and feelings about it. How accurate are these thoughts? Create a rational response then and then re-rate the feelings. So it's a bit of a longer process, but it's actually, it's an important one because it's very much connected to the food, obviously, you know, like, I mean, if you don't like yourself, then you're going to stop eating and then you're going to hate food and the body because your body weight will not change so fast. You know, even if you're like on a diet, it will take time and you don't want to create a bad relationship with both your body and the food that you're eating. So all goes hand in hand. Um, yes. But yeah, but there is like this five-step process, more or less uh, what I use with, with specifically with thoughts related to body image. Yeah, absolutely. And what just to one thing to add on from that, that really helps me is looking at women your size or bigger that are actually confident and happy. Well, we never know truly because we only see, you know, social media, of course, but looking at women your size or bigger that are like living their life and showing themselves confidently mm -hmm. that can be quite healing to almost yes. give yourself permission to be like oh you know if she can do it with cellulite and nothing happens mm -hmm. no one died then I can do it too mm -hmm. and it's like looking for proof that there's a, another world out there that doesn't just involve constantly trying to be smaller forever and then you die <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean some someone said there is nothing worse than waking up and realizing you have been dieting for 30 years Mm -hmm. you know like there must be something more in this life than dieting and trying to be thin like how depressing is that you know what I mean when you think about it and many people actually like that's the, this is the worst part of it many people actually don't even want to be thin I mean if you if if they if they stayed like the way they are in the present moment they will be fine but it's just a feeling mm. that you constantly have to fix something yes fix the hair, fix the face, fix the legs, fix the, this. you know, like fixing your weight or whatever. It's this constant chase for something which no one even knows what it is, which is yeah. why I think that when you start with any client uh, or when people want to lose weight, my first and only question is why? If yeah. someone tells me it's for a bikini season, it's fine, but that means that you will gain it back. Yeah. Once the bikini season is over or a wedding or an event or something. If your why is a very strong conviction, because I cannot run after my kids, because my blood pressure is high, because whatever, like there has to be a very strong why, then you might have a chance with long lasting results because you stand behind it with conviction that you know why you're doing this, mm. like period. And then you learn how to eat properly uh, because your why is very strong. I don't want to be sick again or, you know, whatever yeah. you whatever issue you may have um but mm -hmm. if if your why is connected to something so superficial like fitting in jeans or mm. then it's not gonna last i'm i'm very sorry to break to everybody but it will not last um it, it will last for some time and then it won't yeah i couldn't agree more anna how can people work with you where can they find you all of the good stuff 
all the good stuff. So they can uh, they can go on my website if they want to read a little bit more about me and my services, Balanced by Anna with one N. They can also find me on Instagram or Facebook, Balanced by Anna. Uh, they can follow me there and DM me, whatever. I mean, they have contacts uh, on all these platforms. Um, and I would say also um, on my uh, website, they can get some really cool freebies. Uh, if they join my newsletter, I'm offering some really cool stuff for people who join. So I encourage them to, to come and check it out. And uh, everything will be linked below as well. So it's easy yes. for listeners to click on. And do you offer, is it one-to-one? -one? Do you offer any group? I offer, I offer the four different things. One uh, program is uh, for three months. One is six months. One is group coaching for six weeks. And one is, a, let's say, what I call it a reboot session. It's a quick 90 minute call. So there are four different services. They can check them out. They have free discovery calls with me if they want to just see what I'm doing, how I'm doing things. And we can see if we're a match, which I think it's very important. Mm -hmm. So all the options are on my website. Thank you. And it's been an absolute pleasure to- Thank you for having me. Listen to your wisdom. Thank you so much for coming on. And I wish you the most amazing day wherever you are in the world. Thank you. So do I. Thank you, Anna. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. I would love to ask you a little favor that will literally take you probably one minute. Can you do that for me? Okay, it is to rate and review this podcast. And the reason I'm asking you is because if you do this for me, it will enable me to reach more women so I can help them and spread the message around the world of self-love, food and body freedom, which is much needed. So again, thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, by the way, please screenshot it and tag me on social media on Instagram at Victoria Kleinsman and on Facebook, it's Victoria Kleinsman. Okay, have an amazing day. Sending you lots of love.